Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest uh, Good Trouble. Yeah, we're gonna, let's call some Good Trouble. What do you think, Raha? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We're going to call some Good Trouble. All right. <laughs> you have been warned, people. I know people want the flag. Well, am I going to talk about game stuff or am I going to talk about Jason stuff? Today is the time we're going to talk about Jason stuff. Do you have that flag, people? Uh, if you want to talk about happy stuff, go ahead and check the One Stop Question podcast. I got this is uh, the Sunday conversations are always gaming. So that's always good for you. And plenty of stuff around One Stop Question, Dice Tower, all that stuff. This is Good Trouble. So um, we are going to talk about how we talk. On the internet, uh, you know, if you're an internet person, if you're on a Discord, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, it, it, stuff happens, and it's like, oh my god, you know, uh, we're in a cesspool and whatever it is. It doesn't have to be that way. I really am. Maybe I am uh, idealistic, but I think it's possible to learn how to talk, to learn how people, you know, how it goes wrong, and how we can avoid some of those traps. Uh, so I reached out to my friend over here. He's a longtime listener of the show, uh, Shelf Stories. He's always commenting, always participating, uh, and getting a chance to know him a little bit. He's a perfect person to talk about speech and how we think about speech. Uh, he is a constitutional lawyer specializing in the First Amendment, American people, the right to free speech. I have so my pleasure to have him on the show. So my first time actually talking to him uh, on like a verbal level. So I'm looking forward to this. He is Rahawala. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. All right. So uh, we're about the stories over here before we get into the whole topic. Tell us about your background in gaming and how you get involved in our hobby. Absolutely. Well, uh, just a quick proviso in there. Um, I, I don't want to claim to be a uh, constitutional specialist uh, or a law professor in First Amendment law, but I have a lot of working practice um, working on censorship and free speech issues, right. of course, with human rights defenders, journalists, um, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a gamer. I've been a gamer since I was a kid. Uh, started off in the you know late '80s with uh, the OG Nintendo on the video game side, chess, backgammon, Monopoly, those kinds of deals. My first kind of foray into the hobby space was with uh, Magic: The Gathering. Mm. Took, took a little mm -hmm. bit of a break from gaming for a while there. Uh, when I went to law school, actually joined a board game enthusiast club. This was in uh, the early to mid 2000s and uh, got in on that kind of second wave of hobby games with mm -hmm. Ra and Dominion and, and Settlers and of Catan like Settlers of Catan you back when it. it was called Settlers of Catan back when it was called <laughs> Settlers of Catan mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, you know as things picked up with work kind of took another big so I'm kind of back with my third wave now um, of gaming and just really excited getting back into it, dabbling a little bit with some, some game design, but mostly just here as an enthusiastic gamer and, and someone who cares a lot about the hobby. Yeah, that's what this is the spirit of it. I mean, we, we have like a lot of jokes about like, oh, good trouble. We're going to have trouble, trouble. It's good. Like that's what we, that's the spirit in which I try to engage it, try to be constructive, try to offer something positive and constructive. You know, you hear people say, like, why are you bringing up all this controversial stuff? Uh, you know, like from our perspective, there are problems that we're trying to fix the problems. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that think that the opposite was like, okay, there's no problems. We're causing problems. Well, open your ears, open your mind. <laughs> you know, this is not, the intention is not to cause problems. The, pro the intention is to make it better and making our online discourse better. 
right? That's what this is all about today. Uh, so, okay, so we're going to break it down uh, to, uh, I think a couple, like, like basically two halves of the conversation. So this idea of like free speech and censorship. And so, uh, you know, I am a progressive person on the so-called left wing. And I, I don't love that terminology, left wing, right wing, whatever it is. I like to think I'm right in the center, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, so the, the, as a progressive person in Raha, we're very, very much on the same tip. Uh, the that side of the equation gets accused a lot of wanting to censor of being quote-unquote totalitarian and intolerant and without you know we we ban people with bgg is always banning people and you know moderating people out and all that kind of stuff so it's like that that model of discourse is kind of like seeped in there that like progressives want to cancel and ban and all that kind of stuff and this conversation is i want to try to push back against that give folks who you know might be on our tip a little bit of ammunition, verbal ammunition, not physical, no, 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 verbal to be able to defend and articulate what's going on. So we're going to talk about free speech uh, and we're going to make a big distinction. We're going to distinguish free speech as kind of an idea and a practice, like a law practice and free speech in communities because that plays out much, much differently than just like the concept. So then uh, where do you want to start, Rahad? Do you want to start with the, the law part? Do you want to start with the philosophy part? What, 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 do you, what do you think we should start? Let's do a brief touch on the law side just to kind of set some, you know, overarching principles. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and maybe just to, um, to open it up, uh, one way to think about sort of free speech from a legal sense and censorship from a legal sense um, is that we're really talking about the government, um, right. repressing, suppressing uh, people's right to freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom to gather and assemble, um, the key kind of core values that are embedded within the First Amendment, right? Um, and I think that's such an important distinction um, to really kind of set out early on sure. is that, um, you know, kind of in my um, practice as a human rights lawyer, I've worked with, you know, as I kind of alluded to earlier, journalists, uh, human rights defenders, medics, um, whistleblowers um, who, in a very real sense, um, have been censored, um, either either had their speech suppressed by government officials, um, or in some cases jailed, tortured, even killed um, for expressing their opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're talking about censorship um, in a legal sense, we're talking about the government bringing the force um, of the law onto individuals, onto mm -hmm. communities in order to stamp out um, politically inconvenient or controversial viewpoints, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that really needs to be um, distinguished from, uh, you know, individuals on the internet um, or even private entities and corporations who are seeking to um, regulate a space for people to have conversations. Moderate, and, <laughs> all that stuff, right? Absolutely. The traditional moderator's role, right? Um, in many ways, we need moderators out there in order to be able to have productive and meaningful dialogue about issues. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, the key here is that the, the answer to you know, controversial ideas, hateful speech, whatever you want to call it, politically inconvenient speech is, is more speech, is for us to speak up and exercise our 
freedom of expression and freedom of speech um, to, to refute that or to um, you know, put another viewpoint out there. That's what democracy is, is really all about. Right. Um, so that's, you know, I, I have some concerns about, you know, um, you know, especially in the tabletop space, but it's really kind of across the board, um, this idea that, oh, you know, people are canceling other people or, you know, by, by raising concerns about things or, you know, this is censorship if someone says something, um, you know, critical about a board game's theme or setting or context or something like that. No, you know, that's, that's people expressing their opinion. That's what the First Amendment is all about, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, you know, I just wanted to kind of set out that big picture, you know, concept about how we think about, you know, censorship and free speech, at least from a legal perspective. And we can right. get into ethics and all that as well. But just, mm -hmm. you know, broad brushes, that's how we think about it from a, you know, constitutional perspective um, and from a human rights perspective. We love free speech. We do. Ra <laughs> loves free speech. I love free speech. And we have to say that from the outset. And anyone who wants to, you know, talk in the space and, you know, deal with that criticism that, oh, well, you want to cancel stuff, you know, all that kind of thing. So like the, I heard this, this was a couple of years ago. I think it was your friend, uh, Shahed Buttar. Uh, sure. I think he, right. What's his name? Uh, Shahid, Shahid Buttar. He works for the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is actually um, one of the advocacy organizations out there that is doing the most to fight for free speech rights, mm -hmm. especially so, in the yeah. internet space. He was a, a he ran for political office, and he's like a, a person who makes the rounds in these kind of like you know progressive radio circles. Uh, the the way to combat or the way to address issues of speech is more speech not less, speech. and that's, that's what we believe. So then, you know, you'll hear that stereotype of like, you know, when a, a, the lefty person says, okay, this should have a cultural consultant or we're trying to consult, you know, criticize a game. You'll always hear that caricature of like, well, it's the Politburo who wants to, you know, like uh, regulate all speech. And like, you know, a creator can't create unless right. they submit to the authority first. Right. And it almost evoking that 1984 sense of like, you know, the progressive movement is this this entity that wants to regulate speech. So you mentioned about moderation. That's a scary word to that to that area. So it's like, you know, to them, to that, to them, I shouldn't say I don't want to uh, talk about people, I'll talk about ideas uh, to that mode of thinking. I'll say uh, that moderating speech comes really close to canceling speech. And that the line, you, you, you make a very clear distinction, in the, but the line is actually a lot fuzzier than sure. that. And like, and there's this instinct to say that like moderation goes too far, especially sure. because moderation in the current board gaming space tends to go a certain way, doesn't always go towards the progressives, tends to go towards the more conservative side. They get moderated sure, a little sure. bit more. We'll get into all of that. But that's, I wanted to, to emphasize that, you know, kind of like just echo your point. I'm like a hype man. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, the, sure. The way, uh, you know, the, the, the way to solve problems of free speech is more speech. We both believe that. Sure, absolutely. And again, just to kind of, you know, um, really put a finer point on it, when we're talking about online discourse, um, you know, this is much uh, in the way, if you wanted to make an analogy to, to the olden days, um, you know, uh, you kind of chatting <clears throat> across the fence to your neighbor, right? Um, and having a conversation and, and you can elect to walk inside, you can elect to walk away from that conversation. And, and, and this is about human relationships and it's about trying to, uh, to moderate a relationship 
between communities or between individuals in a way that is productive and healthy. That is a very different thing from the government coming in and shutting off the spigot, so to speak. We want the free flow of information and it's absolutely um, not appropriate and and certainly not constitutional or lawful um, for the government to, to bring the hammer down and to stamp out any expression um, whether that be traditional speech or, or creative mm-hmm. or artistic expression. And there right. and there's a history of, of the government trying to uh, ban books and ban games and, and do all this kind of stuff. It's not new. This is, you know, from time immemorial, this is, this is what governments do right. um, when they're faced with uh, dissenting opinions, controversial opinions, uh, opinions that cha- challenge the status uh, quo. Um, but that's a very that's a very different concept uh, than you know individuals in, in the private sphere having right. conversations with each other. And we're going to get into all those distinctions. Uh, but again, we're we're setting context over here. Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about is why. Like, why is free speech good? What does free speech do? And forgive me, I was a philosophy professor or philosophy major in college, and I taught philosophy classes. I taught ethics. Uh, at, at the like, you know, high fluting, you know, really smart hootie tootie high school level. Uh, so I, I got a quote and Rod knows what quote I'm going to give. And I'm pretty sure you're probably familiar with it, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so why free speech? Like, why is this such a thing? So you go back to the history of political philosophy and poli- the history of ethics. Uh, you'll encounter a figure, an enlightenment figure named John Stuart Mill. And he was one of the intellectual kind of forebearers of the American Revolution. You know, the, you know everybody read Mill. You know, Thomas Jefferson read Mill. George, you know, all these people that, that wrote the, that wrote the uh, you know, all the founding documents read John Stuart Mill. And this is the, like, I guess the one paragraph snippet that people quote in terms of uh, the rationale of free speech. So I'm going to put this on the screen so people can read along. The peculiar evil of silencing the expression of an opinion is that it is robbing the human race. It is robbing posterity as well as the existing generation. It robs those who dissent from the opinion and still more those who hold it. If the opinion is right, they are deprived of the opportunity of exchanging error for truth. If wrong, they lose what is almost as great a benefit, the clearer perception and livelier impression of truth produced by its collision with error. Absolutely. Um, we don't talk like that right now, but just to translate, well, what does that translate to in kind of like modern vernacular? Well, I'm going to, you know, my my political philosophy uh, knowledge is, is a couple decades older. So I'm going to let you do the political philosophy translation. <laughs> but what I will say <laughs> is that Mill uh, Mill's thoughts are very much um, animating and continue to this day to right. animate. Um, First Amendment principles, right? That's not surprising at all. Um, And, you know, uh, putting my own little flavor on it, we're really talking about the benefits of uh, uh, the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. the more more that we exchange ideas, uh, share knowledge, share information, share analysis, uh, the truth will will come out in the end. And um, if we don't, and if we suppress it, uh, I think we're uh, we're really at peril for ending up with stuck in our, our ways of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's the sort of individualist kind of um, uh, idea of, of free expression and, and, and just the inherent right of being able to express yourself, of course, um, makes a lot of sense in American society. 
Uh, and then there's also the sort of co kind of collectivist or, or utilitarian idea of um, what, what does it do for democracy? Right. When we have a free exchange of ideas. And I think right. that, you know, uh, I'm uh, reading between the lines uh, and, and you know, you're kind of saying we're, it's a, it's a win-win. We're getting um, a lot in terms of both a, a rights perspective and a kind of communitarian uh, or utilitarian perspective right. as well. And the, the thing we're getting is, so, we're talking about right opinions and wrong opinions and where it's the discourse goes wrong is that everyone thinks their opinion is right. So like, you know, and they, everyone gets stuck in their opinion and that's actually not the quite the foundation of free speech and why, why it's good. So um, there is a truth out there. And that's an old enlightenment idea. And we get there by entertaining right ideas and wrong ideas. So like if you entertain a right, so like if someone comes in, they have the right, they have the right idea about something, you don't shut them down because then you're going to persist in your wrong idea. Don't do that. But if somebody has a wrong opinion, they still should have the chance to talk because we sharpen our own arguments. And I, I'm a, I'm a testament to this. And people wonder, like, because my comments are a little bit crazy. You actually, eat, I think you texted me once. You're like, how do you do that? How do you talk to these people? <laughs> I mean, I will confess that uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here on the soapbox right now. I have a tough time. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of like the <laughs> online uh, debates and all that. I, I, mm. I, but I have the utmost respect for, your, for the patience with which you approach it. But I think it is because you do see it as a project, right? right. I mean, you're, you're very much in it for the long haul and trying to facilitate and foster a discourse right. and to advance these um ideas i'm kind of like the guy who i'm like you know like on my <laughs> keyboard or whatever and like right uh, but uh we all endeavor to be better and i think yeah that's, uh, i mean i i think the project of shelf stories is there i mean th just what john stewart mill is talking about and i know people have said like oh like what do you where do you get off you know like you how do you know the truth and everything uh and it's like because i work at it you know, and I'm, I'm not saying I know the truth, but it's like, I'm all I'm in these conversations. I'm talking to people who disagree with me. And I love people who disagree with me uh, as long as you do so in good faith and you're engaging. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but people who are coming from really different, you know, like radically different perspectives, sometimes I'll come in and the perspective that I'm arguing with, I think is kind of off center, but I, I sharpen my own arguments. You know, I'm definitely better at this than I was a year ago when I started just from the interaction. It's almost like, you know, well, like this, like the sword getting sharpened in the whetstone. So and then there's also times where I, I, I'm wrong. You know, I mean, I, I think of I'm going to do a video on this. So like, you know, my encounters with non-American you know, listeners who are like, you're speaking from your American perspective and you have to understand, you know, da, 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 da. and I have definitely modulated my position on things depending on the feedback. So it's like, wow, you know, so like th I, that's the process, right? That's the rocks upon which democracy sure. goes, right? Sure. And so it's like, the, but the goal isn't just to like a bunch of people who believe in their opinions and then, you know, my, my opinion should never change. Like that stupid guy, the, the meme, where it's like, you know, he's just sitting back, he's holding his coffee and it's like, okay, I got my opinions, convince me I'm wrong or whatever. Right, change my like, mind change my mind or whatever it is. And it's like, I don't want to change. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. We let's change each other's minds. Right. You know, it's like, it's not like you have the thing and I'm coming to you or like, right. you know, you, whatever it is. No, this, it, we're always in this like interchange. Right. And yeah, I believe, I believe in things. There's certain things that I'm never going to change. Like, you know, the, you know, POCs and marginalized people, I'm always going to defend that, but you know, on the margins or like you know, per different perspectives on things, and who counts as marginalized? That whole, all that stuff. But there's so many, so much stuff within there that's up for grabs. 
And sure, that's sure. that that is the point of of free speech. So I mean, I, the, the reason I get, I get really passionate about this <laughs> because online arguments can be really difficult because yeah. one yeah. reason is because I think that we come at it from a perspective of uh, free speech is I can say whatever I want. Right. I say whatever I want because I have an opinion and my opinion is right because it's my opinion. And that's not quite the philosophical tradition upon which the First Amendment the government is built upon. Sure, sure. Right? It's that, well, it's that exchange it's, that needs to happen. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's great that you're sort of engaging with other perspectives. Uh, and in particular, even when we're talking about you know, issues related to, to freedom of expression and freedom of speech, you know, there are traditions you know, from, from the European continent, from South Africa, from elsewhere that, that take, you know, a, 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 you know, different approach and um, hate speech and, and other types of what can be considered to be harmful speech are not as tolerated. The American tradition is, is, is somewhat unique, but right. I, it definitely represents, uh, you know, something uh, close to the purest form of defending that principle of, you know, freedom of expression um, as a value unto itself. Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so in constitutional law, uh, and I don't know much about this, so I'm going to depend on, a, you'll give you a little bit of floor for the discourse. Uh, so the ACLU had a very famous case that kind of articulated how far American free speech principles should go. Right. And it's always, I, to me, like, as I listen to different shows, it's always kind of the first thing mentioned, how far did, will you defend the, the right to free speech? So, you know, the case that I'm talking about, go ahead and break it down for the people's because not everybody uh, might be familiar. It's one of the most famous uh, constitutional law cases. It's often called the Skokie case because uh, it involved events that took place in Skokie, which is uh, a little town to the north of Chicago um, in Illinois. Um, anyways, just to kind of break it down in, in the most simplest form, um, uh, this was, you know, um, uh, mid 20th century where, you know, um, uh, out, out of World War II and, uh, Neo-Nazi groups wanted to march um, in Skokie, Illinois. Why Skokie, Illinois? Um, well, uh, for for those who aren't aware, Skokie actually used to work in Skokie. Uh, uh, so I know this a little bit from firsthand experience. It's it's a wow. very Jewish uh, neighborhood at that time. I believe it was even over half Jewish, and there were many um, Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea of neo-Nazis marching in the streets of Skokie was probably about as harmful or offensive of a protest or march or whatever you want to call it um, that you could imagine. Um, so Skokie tried to shut it down. Um, uh, the ACLU came forward um, despite being considered, you know, a quite progressive organization and, and actually defended the rights of, of these Nazis um, and other counter protesters um, to march in the streets of Skokie because that was their constitutional right um, to, to march and to say their piece, whether it was right or wrong. Um, and you know, a couple interesting facts about that case. Um, one is that the laws that were being used to um, attempt to shut down the Nazi march um, were the very same kinds of laws that were being used to shut down the um, protests of uh, the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and other movement leaders were leading marches all across the South. Guess what? 
towns were putting up these ordinances to, to shut them down, right? So mm-hmm. that demonstrates, I think, a really important principle when we're thinking about rights and constitutional protections is it's not about the particular viewpoint or even the particular person or even the particular community. It's about the principle. And if it can be, you know, if you can use um, government authorities to shut down one particular viewpoint, um, then you can really use it to shut down any particular viewpoint, right? right? At some right. point in time, um, you know, you're going to end up in the minority in whatever town you're in. Right. Um, yeah. That's a famous thing. And, uh, you know, you hear some of like the, like old school progressive discourses, you know, you go back into traditions, you read some of the, you know, the, the like the mid century kind of thought that uh, you'll always, you'll always hear them uh, say like, and even the, the civil rights, civil rights leaders or whatever it is, like, you know, they'll say I'll defend a white supremacist for what their ideas are. I'll, I'll defend this thing. You know, that thing was because when I start, going down the road of censoring what I don't like, then that's going to hit me. Yeah. And it usually hits minority people harder than it would, Always. you know, someone in the, someone who is more in the center of the culture. So like those, those old school progressives are really like on that. And so like, I think, you know, we've may have maybe slipped that slipped the mind a little bit. I definitely see comments where it's like, you know, well, that should be, you know, they'll just say it like in this purpose of personal progressive side well that that's just bad that should be that should be get rid of we should get rid of that you know that should be a lot of speaking it's like oh be be careful with that one (laughs) i agree with the center but be really careful with that right right absolutely um it's true i mean i think that you know these these things have a way of um finding their way through history and, and kind of becoming a bit you know it's easy to say well yeah don't let the the nazis march in skokie right and i think uh, when you look at that particular individual case, right, it seems like, yeah, I, I don't want the Nazis market, marching through Skokie, Illinois. But when you think about the principle and what it could, you know, say about, um, you know, the free expression and free assembly rights of, of peoples over time, right. um, it's quite a scary thought. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, to fast forward to the to kind of the punchline here, um, the Supreme Court ultimately decided that um, yeah, the Nazis had a right to march in Skokie, Illinois. A bit well, of kind well, I of- mean, just as an immediate thing, the ACLU took up the defense, took up the defense of it. Yep. The American Civil Liberties Union. That's so correct. Army of lawyers. And it's, a, you know, not every, you know, while the Europeans watch the show. So it's a it's a, uh, a it's an organization that has been around for a very, very long time, always defended civil liberties. And it always has gone Either way, like, you know, it is kind of, it's nonpartisan. It's just, you know, they yeah. have their principles, free speech. It doesn't matter who's speaking. So then they were reviled. They're like, how could you take this? Are you neo-Nazi yourself? Blah, blah. And it's like, we're not neo-Nazi. We're not defending anything. We're defending the principle of anybody has the right to speech and assembly and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And thank you so much for correcting me, by the way. I, uh, lawyers have a terrible habit of just throwing acronyms out there. So so stop me at any point in time, make sure that I'm talking, not talking nonsense. Um, sure. uh, so, uh, so the ACLU took the case, um, went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court came down um, very clear. Um, the Nazis have a right to march uh, in Skokie. Um, interesting bit of uh, history on how that actually played out on the ground. Um, there was uh, such a um, movement of counter demonstrators, civil rights activists um, lined up in Skokie that uh, the Nazis uh, ultimately backed down. And you know, we're, this is this was a relatively small group, anyways. Um, uh, they relocated to, to Chicago to the city um, and were drowned out by by counter protesters. Um, and uh, it was, I think, a pretty 
um, clear lesson in this idea of you don't like some ideas, show up, you know, and express a different viewpoint. And um, hopefully your views will carry the day. Hopefully you'll be able to bring people along if there is truth and righteousness in your cause. Um, other people will see it too. And I think that's what we saw happen, um, you know, in that particular situation. It's not all a rosy story. Um, I think we are seeing um, a resurgence of uh, Nazism and, and neo-Nazis, uh, you know, in the aftermath of uh, George uh, Floyd's murder and uh, BLM and other, you know, movement protests. And um, it, the ugly hair head is rearing itself again. So I think this is very much apropos of, 2021 that we're having this conversation and, and and I think we're going to be dealing with this this question for a long time uh, to come the ACLU um, the American Civil Liberties Union um, for that matter um, lost uh, uh, members in droves um, it was not a, a particularly um, popular position to take at the time um, although uh, it is front and center um, in the history of the ACLU and other kind of civil rights um, movement, uh, you know, um, activists, that case now in 2021, but at the time it was, it was very unpopular. Right. And I think history has borne them out, you know, that's why you take, that's why you go by principle, not by just expedience of the moment, you know, that you, you stick with your principle, it's going to bear out. Uh, so, okay. So much to, so much to talk about. Uh, so I wanted to relate it to what we talked about before. I want to talk about what we're going to talk about, which is games. Yes, I know we're going to talk about games, believe me. Uh, but in terms of the, that John Stuart Mill quote of like, okay, exchanging error for truth. And, you know, tolerating a wrong opinion. Neo-Nazism as an ideology is wrong. I'm not going to say neo-Nazis are wrong. Like the people, I will talk to anybody, but the ideology is wrong. And we defend the right for a wrong expression to be expressed because it brought out the best in other folks. Like you said before, sure. folks who have truth and righteousness. If, if, I think there's a very positive... Um, conception of the human person at the center of this that like that there is a truth and like at the end of the day people will respond to something that is more truthful more loving and more kind neo-nazism is not it's intolerant it's you know hierarchical and all this kind of stuff so it called lots of people to speak so like the answer to speech is more speech the answer in that particular case was like you know more people were gathered and and say oh oh wait a minute that's what your nazism is and they start to think and anything that is false critical thinking is good that's a rough thing to say because that means that we have to tolerate wrong ideas. Yep. Or yep. ideas that we think are wrong. So, um, so relate that to gaming. And I, I and so this is where this is where we hit the rubber hit really hits the road. Because Shelf Stories is, is known for criticizing games. You know, Puerto Rico, uh, you know, Mombasa, you know, uh, what Endeavor Age of Sale, I mean the, the colonialism games. Uh, I can even go like you know, Secret Hitler. And we have a lot of messed up games if you look at it. All those games should exist. All those games, the creators have a right to make what they want. Sure. That happens all the time where people like in the comments and they like, you know, criticizing, they'll say, well, the creator can do what he wants. Right. And yes, yes, the creator can do what they want. Right. Right. I'm not saying they don't have the right to exist. I'm saying something different, but I wanted to have Rahada here to help me articulate from a constitutional law perspective that I believe in the right for these games to exist just as they are. 
and this is where I, I got to vent a little bit on this because, you know, I think, I think what happened, and I'm always that guy in the comments being like, this is not about censorship. Nobody's talking about banning games, you know? And, All right. and, and I think it's a very natural human impulse, right? Um, it's easier, right? To kind of appeal to, to rights and to say, well, they have the right to make this game, right? Than to engage on the merits and to really ask those deep questions of, Okay, 100% agree. The game can be made, and maybe even the game should be made. But um, is this really the right theme? Is this really the right approach? You know, is there a better approach? Um, you know, that requires a lot of work. A lot it requires a lot of um, emotional work, intellectual work. Um, I'm exhausted, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, every once in a while i just go on twitter and be like oh my god what am i doing right. what have i done to myself right right uh it's good that you're asking yourself that question but i think it's important to engage on these sure. on these issues but but that's kind of my point is that um no one is saying that uh you know publishers or designers don't have a right to make any particular game or to use any particular theme Actually, um, I, like, I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll pause you right yep, there. There yep. are some on my side that will go that far or that seem like they go that far in their the way they talk. Because like you'll hear you hear a statement that's like, you know, someone shouldn't make this game. Right. Right. Or like they'll use kind of a moral, uh, you know, what, what, what we say is a moral argument, but then it's read as a social force type yeah. argument. Right. Sure. So it's like, you know, like we're like the, the woke mob canceling or whatever it is. So it's like we're saying right. like, OK, this game shouldn't be made. The interpretation is that the creators not have the right to make the game. Right. And we're trying to make a, a distinction between those two things. Yeah, that's a logical read. Right. Because I, I would even say for in, in the case of, you know, Puerto Rico or some of these other games, the, the games in their current forms. Yeah, they shouldn't be reprinted. Right. Um, I'm not saying that the publisher or the designer doesn't have a right to, to do so, but that in my humble opinion, as one individual gamer in this community, I, I don't I don't I don't intend to buy it. I don't think it should be made. And that is just how the free marketplace of ideas and, and right. frankly of commerce works. You know, vote with your feet, vote with your wallet, whatever you want to call it. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's a bit ironic to kind of um, see uh, this rejoinder being thrown out there of like, oh, you're just, you know, don't don't speak up, you know, you're you're, you're canceling games by speaking up. Well, it's like actually no, that that's how you know uh, people exercise their their rights and their power. Um, you know, their individuals have powers as, as consumers, mm -hmm. as you know, have platforms in some cases. Um, if you're a content creator, whatever that might be. And um, and some would even say you have a responsibility uh, to speak up if you see something that you think isn't quite right. And um, I think we've seen a you know some great examples of of folks speaking up and actually publishers and and designers listening and saying you know what there's there's kind of a point here. Uh, you know the one that comes to mind is the was the game the Prison Architect I think it was right Prison Architect. Uh, where the designers came out and said, actually, uh, you know, on second thought, um, this this wasn't really a good idea. You know, right. why are we make why are we making a game about private uh, prison industrial complex here? And um, you know, I take them at that that word that the discourse helped them um, see mm -hmm. it from a different perspective, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and that's a, a that's perfect example because like that got read as a cancellation. That got right. read as the woke mob threatening david tercy with you know we're gonna do something bring upon some kind of consequence or like uh, you know 
So let's talk about um, let's talk about the the idea of force, because what you talked about, how you opened the uh, discussion was about the government. Right. Right. And so like the classic definition of censorship uh, of censorship. Right. The older term cancellation, is a newer term. Yeah. The the older term of of, um, is, is censorship. And we're talking about actual government stuff. And the government has force of law. They have enforcement yep. powers. They have the police. Yep. They can put you in jail. They can, you know, you know, take, remove your body from the public square. There's all sorts of like actual force that the government has. So then now you're going to this cancellation idea, which is newer and amorphous. And we're trying to clarify terms. The idea of cancellation is that it's a social force. It's a yep. moral force. And it is, it's not authority from the government, but it is authority of, uh, you know, basically people who are claiming victimhood right. and there's a power in claiming victimhood, right? So you're hurting me and, you know, I'm going to stop hurting me and don't, don't be a jerk because, you know, only jerks hurt people. So it's like, you know, so that's where the, you know, the labels come in. So it's like, you're a this, you're a that, you're an ism. And so we're using like, or the progress is not using the social force, right? not physical force, but social force to quote unquote cancel sure. a thing. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, so let's dig into that because I think that the layers here are real deep, right? Sure. And and what I would say just to start the conversation is that social pressures exist whether they're made explicit or not, right? And if you you know just to take an example that maybe you could relate to, but certainly from my own personal experience, if you're POC and you've ever spent time in like predominantly white communities. Uh, I grew up in um, the very white uh, affluent suburbs of Minnesota. Um, you code switch. Very and, white. <laughs> and you, you know, is, you code switch, you, you, you change the way that you behave and you think mm. you, you adapt in some ways you um, make sacrifices or compromises because you're feeling those social pressures. Right. And mm. um, you know, and so the thing about it is, is when people speak up and make their, you know, concerns known, what it's really doing is it's surfacing the underlying pressures that already exist in society. And then the question is, how do we work that out together, right? And so um, I really do want to draw a distinction between, I think it's dangerous to say, oh, you know, if, if people speak up and, you know, kind of criticize games, uh, X, Y, or Z particular game, they're, they're canceling the game or they're censoring the game or they're banning the game. Um, in some ways that can have the opposite effect. And there's a deep irony here is that people aren't going to feel comfortable speaking up. You know, I mean, I had, I had legitimate thoughts. I was telling you before we hopped on the, on the show uh, about whether I wanted to stay in this hobby, you mm-hmm. know, um, and is, is that, um, promoting freedom of expression values if we drive out folks because they don't feel comfortable? How, how, mm-hmm. does, how does that promote, um, you know, freedom of expression and freedom of assembly? Well, talk a little bit more about what you were feeling and like, we you know, the time period and what was going on in the discourse at the time that made you feel uncomfortable, that made you feel like board gaming was not the space for you. Well, I think it, especially in the wake of, of George Floyd's murder and um, you know, there's a lot more cultural conversations around the impact of, of, of race, of identity. Um, you know, you've been talking a lot about colonialism in games and um, it's a bit shocking to see how, um, I guess, uh, non-receptive the hobby can be to alternative points of view. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll drop the euphemisms here. I specifically um, 
you know, women, uh, queer and POC voices sure. in the space. Um, I think a lot of folks who identify as uh, minorities or historically, you know, marginalized in, in some way um, don't always feel comfortable in spaces. You know, Elizabeth Hargrave talks about walking into convention halls and being the only woman there and, and, and you know, slogging through that because she wanted the next generation of young girls to, to grow up and uh, feel comfortable in gaming spaces. It's a beautiful story, but th that's a burden she took yeah. on. Right. Um, and I think that's true for, you know, black and brown game designers, queer game designers and, and publishers as well. And so um, I see it, I see the blowback against um, certain specific communities raising their voice as being as being problematic. Um, and that's why I really want to have this conversation with you, which yeah. is to really bring out this idea that the intention here is not to ban games, not to cancel games. The intention 100% is to have a conversation um, that will hopefully, you know, bring the hobby into the 21st century when it comes to ideas of like diversity, equity, and mm -hmm. inclusion. Right. So then, so now we can, now we can kind of transition to, so the heart of the discussion is like, okay, these games can exist. I will fight for the right for the games to exist, but I want to criticize whether they should exist. Exactly. That difference between can and should. So like, I want to be really clear because I don't, cause that, that's where the conversation bogs down. This is where I want to try, you know, help my, you know, lefty or progressive, what do you want to call them uh, side, you know, make that distinction. It's like, look, I, I believe in the right of these games to exist. Maybe some people don't, but like, that's the kind of American tradition, right? If you're speaking yeah. from an American yeah. context, yeah. Europeans come on the show, we'll talk about something different, but like, <laughs> this is the context in which I'm speaking, right? Sure, so like, sure. and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being in forums and being in, you know, these places and saying, well, they should can't, what are you saying? They're canceling it. Like going there, going right. to the point of like, like you said before, like, you know, the logical leap of like, I think it shouldn't exist. I, I think right. it should exist. And we, there's constitutional protections about speech and there's all this tradition of like, okay, even a wrong thing has value. Right. You know, right. like, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we have these sloppy colonialist games means that it inspires me to make better colonialist games. I mean, right. That, that's that's the, an important thing. So what you're talking about is now we're, we're that's it. I'm just going to put that there. What right. you're talking about is whether these games should exist. Right. And not only whether they should exist, whether they should occupy the central space that they occupy. Totally. So then, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, game that five people play. Like Puerto Rico was the number one game for what, six years on BG? You know, Puerto Rico was like my favorite board game for like many years. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to admit. You know, like, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, and, right. and, 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 you know, so when you're looking at this kind of thing where, you know, that, you're you're stepping up and defending, and I and I, I will applaud you. You know, you 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 go further than I would go, frankly, uh, in defending individuals' rights uh, to express themselves however they 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 want to. You have the right about. to be wrong. I'm yeah. still going to call you on being wrong, but you have the right to be right. wrong. <laughs> right, right. Um, but then when you get to that question of, uh, you know, should should a particular game exist? Uh, that kind of gets to the question of what could be different, right? And how can we move the hobby forward, right? right. I, I will sign me up for saying that Puerto Rico in its current form, the, the game that I have on my shelf probably shouldn't exist like that. You know, it, 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 there, there is- Throw a that way. game out, man. I'll take care of you. 
Yeah. All right. I th- <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, exactly. You know, um, I think we should be kind of, you know, phasing out uh, some of these problematic ideas from within um, the, you know, the hobby. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that, um, uh, you know, someone doesn't have a right to make a game that is controversial. It just means that um, we're hoping that some of the incredible passion and talent and, um, uh, you know, time and energy and money will be invested in concepts that are a bit more thoughtful when it comes to right. um, some of these really important values and ideas. Mm-hmm. When you have games that are colonialist, when you have games that are basically lie, you know, they, there's lies right in the middle of these games. So like, you know, Puerto Rico's calling them colonists. And, you know, uh, I, I played a game called Hadrian's Wall once, like they, they call the slaves servants, you know, to, to mask the fact yeah. that they were actually, you know, controlling, like, they, you know, on and on down the line, uh, you know, it's like these games from kind of a Eurocentric colonialist, I call them boss fantasies, these boss fantasy sure, historical games. Sure. Uh, you know, so when you have games like that, when you have games that have very poor representation on the art box, all the, all the people look the same. When you have, uh, and this is a shout out to Tanya Pobeda. I love you, girl. Uh, come back to the show anytime. I, I know you watch some of the shows. Uh, when, when she pointed out that like, you know, 92 or some odd percent of the designers are you know, white or European or European white. Uh, and, you know, the boxes look like that when there's more fauna and flora than women on these games. Right. Uh, or like more aliens and more fantastical creatures than, than women, you know, or especially POC. So then when you are when you set that up, that absolutely has a right to exist. But the effect is that you have all these other voices that don't feel like they have a home here. Exactly. Or if they or if they do have a home, they, then they code switch into it. Yep. Like you mentioned before. So if you don't know code switches, Google it. The quick, the, the quick point is like you change your idiom, you change the way you think, the way you talk to be more, to, to belong to the center group, right? Yeah, you don't, you don't totally. bring your culture. You, you leave that at the door and then you, you, you talk like the, you know, the, the, the dominant culture. That's what code switching is. So like when you have a situation where people who are on the, on the margins feel like they have, if they, they may be here, but they're code switching to do it. If they, if they feel like they can't be authentic in this space because there's so much of the same thing that's a problem. And so we're not saying remove it. We're not saying burn it. What we're saying is a little bit less emphasis, please. You know, you maybe yes. make a little bit space. I think of it like, um, like a, like a guy on a bus and his legs are really spread out, taking up like three, three seats. And it's like, can you close that up a little bit? And, you know, can we let people sit on the bench and the guy's like, don't cancel me. <laughs> that's what I see when people defend this stuff. Like when people defend Puerto Rico, they, they're defending the guy who has his legs spread out. Because you're saying, so- you're saying these little things that call this, make the damn things white, man. They're like, they're like, <laughs> little brown. Yeah, it's funny. Me and my other POC friends would play Puerto Rico back in the, in the 2000s. And even my, my Puerto Rico friend, we, we called the game colonizer because we, we right. had to troll ourselves in order to, you know, have in the, the required level of cognitive dissonance to be like, okay, I guess this is okay. This is like a white people space, you know? Right, right. And so it's like, are we canceling these things? I mean, I, 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 I keep on saying saying that word because it's such a, a part of this, but I, I can't stand it because it's so new and it's so fraught with tension. It's like, it, first of all, they have the, the right to exist. Second of all, it's not about cancellation. It's, it's not about like suppressing voices. It's not about less voices. It's about more voices. You de-emphasize certain games. 
you encourage other games, you'll have more voices in the space as a result. The answer to your speech problems is what, Raha? More speech, my friend. More speech. 100%. From more people, from different people. Absolutely. And just to touch on the cancellation thing for a second, it's it's a bit of a misnomer. In the vast majority of cases where they're saying, oh, well, you, you know, you're canceling this game or whatever, uh, oftentimes the game is, it, it is and never will be canceled. And it literally will continue to exist. Right. Um, but also I want to say that uh, what is kind of derisively referred to as, as cancel culture or you're canceling this or that is... Uh, is an expression of people's power. Pe- people who are often have have been um, perceived as powerless for a very long time. Let's the, the probably the most productive uh, manifestation of what is now considered cancel culture is all the toxic, abusive men um, that were removed from positions of powers, despite all the anti-discrimination and anti-harassment laws that were on the books and the company policies and all that stuff that did absolutely nothing to hold perpetrators accountable, right? And if it wasn't for people actually exercising their power, telling their story, coming out, um, a lot of these a lot of these guys would still be there, you know? Um, so I actually think when people speak up, it ought to be celebrated, we ought to listen, and um, it shouldn't be kind of seen as this, uh, why, why are you you know, coming forward with the mob and trying to cancel and all this stuff. Well, maybe they actually have a story to tell. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't refer to the presence of, you know, whatever toxic men. If you don't know, we've had a couple of instances of heads of companies, won't name any names, who were outed as abusers or who are outed as people who are unsafe to be around women, whether they because they committed active perpetrations or because they they hid people or because they helped people who were perpetrators. Like a lot of white men have come under the crosshairs. And just because it's been kind of a large permission structure for the longest time, you know, go to origins 10, 15 years ago, who's there, <laughs> you know, uh, and who's on the boards of these places. And, you know, it's a lot of friends who are kind of protecting each other. So then we don't refer to the people who have been excluded. We don't refer to people who have walked away, like in your case, you know, Raha, uh, that you felt like you had to walk away. Like he wasn't kind of, like he was your free choice, of course, but it, like you felt like, like I want to be there and I'm not really making the choice. I just wasn't comfortable. We don't call that cancellation. We don't right. have a name for it. That's, that's, right. uh, that's what sucks about this debate. Like we only, when we refer to canceling, we only refer to like the one thing of like, you know, the vocal minority, uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, canceling a game unjustly or whatever it is. There's so many more layers, so many more people who are excluded and we don't have a word for that. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. We don't because it's the unseen. It's the unheard of. Right. It's the go away quietly kind of deal. Right. That I think, you know, you know folks from particular communities have been used to doing for, for a very long time. Right. Like, right. Uh, you know, we don't want to make the white people mad. Right. So let's just kind of go away quietly. Right. And you're you know, you you don't want to be seen as that rabble rouser in any space that you're in. Right. But at the same time, you want to feel comfortable you want to feel hurt and this is a hobby this is about enjoyment this is about having fun right and if a space doesn't feel comfortable anymore um you know why are you why are you spending your time there right mm-hmm. uh, thankfully though i think you know what i have seen at least especially in the last few years has been a lot more um attention and thoughtful right. um, discourse around these issues and to me it seems like it's only getting better 
I, I don't want to say, you know, it's there. It's, there's a long way to go, but uh, I think it's, it's definitely on the upwards trajectory. I would say that there's more and more kind of safe little bubbles for PFC. I think the center of the hobby is still yeah, yeah. what it is. And we're working on it. And, and it's, and, and it's, it, I think it's a positive thing. And, you know, I think some people don't take it as a positive thing, but I mean, the, the goal is not to kind of flip hierarchy. The goal right. is a truly multicultural space. That's kind of right. what we're after. Right. But I worry, right. Because, you know, I think you had maybe Isaac children's song recently and, um, you know, he talked about his sort of evolution uh, in really thinking through these issues and seemed like, you know, he was being really thoughtful about it. And, 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 um, and the guy got a lot of blowback, you know, and, and, and uh, so I worry about folks who are stepping up and trying to do the right thing, not feeling like there's positive reinforcement or not feeling like there's a constituency out there that is appreciating what they're trying to do. Um, and, and so I think that's why it's really important, not just to sort of like call out um, what, you know, some sure. some bad actors here and there, but also to hold up those who are who are trying to do the right thing and, and to really show up and, and, and to say, hey, um, there's a constructive way forward. This isn't just about like bad, bad, bad. No, no, no. Stop, yeah. stop, stop. The answer to the problem, the problem of speech and games is. More speech, more, speech. more games, more people. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so I'm going to throw this at you. I don't know if you're prepared to answer this, but I mean, it's tickling me. Again, you know, I, I do internalize the ideas of, you know, people who don't agree with me. You know, maybe whatever you self-identify as, conservative, moderate, libertarian, or, or, or you're something along those lines that are not on the progressive end. Uh, many of them feel like the hierarchy has flipped, if anything. They feel like they are being pressured in silence. They feel like they're being pushed away. Uh, it is true that the BG moderation has really does target, you know, uh, certain people who have, you know, whatever, who express those views. Um, I don't know if you've seen that or thought about that, or, I mean, or, or like, if you, if you have any seen, thoughts, like, a, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen maybe all the specific examples and maybe you could, you could, you could name one, but I think what you're getting at is this idea that uh, perhaps there is, um, what could be perceived as, if not in, in reality, um, disproportionate like moderation or, or filtering out of right. like, let's say like conservative voices to just oversimplify the, the problem set here. Um, so, you know, my take on this is, and, and maybe this is where we have, have a, a difference of views is I, I, I fully um, support, uh, you know, people who are putting the time and the effort to create space, to curate spaces um, curating those spaces in a way that um, uh, fulfills their vision for what they want that space to be and what they want that space to represent, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I have no problem with Facebook filtering out all this misinformation about COVID and COVID vaccines, you know, yeah. Russian propaganda and false information about the election and like all this stuff, you know, get out of here. Um, I, and, and again, I, I would draw a really clear distinction between that and, and the government taking a role in any kind of uh, censorship or, or restriction of, of speech. Um, uh, and similarly, when you have a private forum or a private, um, uh, well, I don't want to say private because it's on the internet, but like a, a forum that you curate, that you own, or your own personal let's say Facebook page, YouTube channel, TikTok channel, Insta, Insta whatever it is, um, that is an expression of, it is, a, it is your platform. 
And you have the right to sort of curate that in a way that makes sense for your values. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who, you know, goes in and like deletes all comments. I, I have a lot of, you know, my friends from, you know, back home or wherever who, who say silly things on my Facebook wall or whatever. I, I usually just ignore it, right? Or maybe I'll say something like in like jest or, or trolling in response, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I very much think it's within everyone's right and purview for, for BGG to come in there and say, we want to create a safe and inclusive space for everyone to have conversations, meaning that if they feel like individual or communities are being attacked. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't know the specific context of, of what you're referring to. So I don't want to, I don't want to be perceived as commenting on a, a particular case. Right. Um, uh, but that's sort of my, my general approach on it. Mm-hmm. What's your take? Oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> I think this is where I go back to Mill. And the more I think about it, the more I, um, I I'm so inspired by that. Like, and I, you know, people are like, look, well, you're a progressive person. You must be CRT. You must be, you know, or, or whatever critical theory or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, listen, I'll, I read that stuff, but I'm like, I'm a, you know, I'm a free speech person before any of that stuff, you know? And why, like, in the government case, in the terms of, you know, actual uh, censorship, then free expression, right? When it's a case of these private spaces cultivating, you know, the most fruitful dialogue, then I think the, it becomes more about free discussion right. rather than free expression. So say whatever you want is actually a terrible idea. Right. Because we, you know, because it's the internet and because we, the internet kind of has a way of kind of cultivating the loudest, the most attention grabbing, the most, you know, pointed, the most aggressive, the most closed. And, you know, those ideas tend to be closed circles, like you can't argue with it. So like, you know, like these, the, the buzzy words, right, woke and mob and cancel culture, at the end of the day, those are closed words. You can't argue with them. They, they mean force and they mean these things. And, you know, when someone comes to me with that kind of energy, and it's funny how you say, like, you don't delete much. Like, I delete a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do yeah, a lot, yeah. you know, because I, I delete the comments that are closed and that don't encourage discussion. Right. So it's like if someone says, OK, you're a woke mob, you know, CRT, da, 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 which I get, you know, pretty frequently that I'm deleting that. That's not. Right. Like does that doesn't promote free discussion? I will defend your right to say that in front of a in a public square and where the government is like you know hanging the sword over your head. I'm like no 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 government leave me alone. It's the right to say what you want, but exactly. not in my space. Right, exactly. And and, and BGG has had made the determination because of the way they are because they're huge, right. and you know there's they noticed that certain like incur like letting just the wild west happen and people say what they want was getting you know people were not feeling very comfortable when poc uh lgbtq were not feeling comfortable it was a very white male space and so they decided to okay we're going to really um moderate hard and the site has grown the, the numbers bear it out the site has grown it's, it's, there's more diverse voices there's people that are really pissed off about that sure but sure. like but but they made the decision to say okay we used to allow free expression now we're going to moderate and cultivate to allow free discussion. Right. Right. And that's, right. and that's a distinction that people aren't like, because we're still stuck in that mindset of like, okay, free speech means freedom expression. Right. Well, maybe right. one way to break it down for folks. Cause I, I really feel like a lot of, a lot of folks get tripped up on this, right. Is if we were to make an analogy to something that I think would make us make sense of people's daily lives, right. Is 
it's one thing, right? Um, say, hey, hey, Jason, you know, um, we believe, uh, you know, whatever, uh, that uh, Puerto, Rico, Puerto Rico should change the game or something like that. We're going to go protest um, in the public square about that, right? Go. Um, that, I'll be right yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a classic example. Freedom of expression. Government cannot shut us down. No one can shut us down. They can come and counter protest they want, but they had to do so peacefully and it's all good, right? Now, now let's contrast that with we can't now walk into someone's home as mm-hmm. they're hosting a forum and and disrupt that conversation and say or play a game Puerto Rico. Like, uh, let's say yeah. you're playing a game and we're going to come in with our protest. No, right. You must. <laughs> right. You know, that's their space. You know, yeah. that's their space. So in this analogy, you know, the the kind of free speech rights, you know, say whatever you want, write whatever you want, do whatever you want on the internet, go for it, um, uh, pen your blog post, uh, no one's gonna stop you. Um, but for BGG, that is putting a lot of time and energy and effort into maintaining a forum, um, you know, just to extend that analogy, that's their home, you know, that's their home. And if they wanna take an approach of uh, cultivating, of prioritizing values of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really making a space that feels feels comfortable for, especially for, uh, you know, marginalized folks, POC, queer folks, you know, other, other you know, historically disadvantaged communities, I, I say more the power to them, go, go for it. And that is, that is not, uh, that, that is not a, uh, a, a restriction of freedom of speech in any legal sense of the word. Right. And it is for the purpose of, so it's not just cancellation. It is for a couple of things. It is to promote more discussion. And, you know, they, I, I've talked with, you know, the people that are running the forums a lot and cause I'm into this free speech discussion. I think that they are definitely kind of playing with that pendulum of like, you know, groupthink. you know, like they don't, they, they don't want that. Like they want right. it to be a space of free discussion. It just, they want to try to, you know, call out those vocabulary words and other right. thoughts of my, uh, other habits of mind. So like if come, someone comes in and says, you know, uh, you know, BLM is Marxist fascist garbage, you know, and right. that's the statement. Right. That, that <laughs> you have the right to your opinion, you have the right to, you know, your expression, but in this space that doesn't promote free discussion, there's no, right. there's no discussing that. Right. You know? Right. So it's like, okay, like, and then if you allow that statement to happen, you know, if it was just one issue, then that's fine. But like you allow those statements, then you have always have the echo effect. People right. coming in, quoting, 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 you get those long quote threads. And it's like, okay, everybody's, even if you do a very reasoned thing. So like uh, you mentioned sure. before, prison architect, David Tercy actually posted that in BG on the thread. And you would see like someone saying, oh, David, I mean, it, it's a shame that you had to, you know, uh, you felt the, the pressure and you had to cancel the project because of cancel culture and whatever, whatever. And they're being really, really reasonable about it. It's not bad. And the, right. but then the, the next few comments would be like, yeah, he got canceled. Da, 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 da. And it was almost like those words attracted trolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attracted yeah, yeah, yeah. The, or attracted the more trolly response. Sure. And so it's like, what do you do? Do you just like try to, you know, keep the original thing and then, you know, cancel that. And they, they made a determination like, look, we can't just, we have to cut the whole thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about maybe moderation for a second and right. also what it means to be, to represent a community or a company or a space. Right. Because I think that's really where the, there, there's some nuance. First of all, uh, I, I want to throw a huge shout out to all the folks who are putting time and energy to moderate forums out there. <laughs> it is, I, I've yes. done that before. Oh, it man. is a tough job. Uh, it does really help to have super clear and specific guidelines that you can put, 
you know, point back to to say, hey, this is what we stand for. Uh, if you if you say X, Y, or Z, you know, um, antagonistic or harmful or attack people or whatever, you know, um, we're, you are going to get a temporary ban or that comment's going to be removed or whatever. So people have fair notice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the more you can kind of be fair about it, but it's but it's hard work and there's always edge cases and, and gray areas and it's not easy. Um, and and so I think that. There is a bit, uh, there, there's a responsibility to try to do the best you can on that, but also it's a lot of work. Um, and I think that people should be a little bit more uh, gracious and compassionate towards the folks who are putting the work in there to do the moderation because it's Amen. not an easy job. Um, but then I also want to kind of speak to the idea of what it means to represent uh, an entity or a community other than yourself. And that might be a, a company rep or a publisher, or, you know, for me, I've worked at um, human rights nonprofit organizations for, mo- for all of my career. And when I'm speaking in the capacity of, of my organization, uh, my words have consequences, right? And, you know, and, and so when you're out there and you say things or you do things, um, we, we have to remember that it, you're, you're, um, there is, people are gonna listen. And they may like what you say, they may not like what you say, and that might change their behavior towards whether they want to buy your game or not. That's not censorship. That's not cancel culture. That's just a product of being in the public sphere, of being a public figure, of being a representative for a game company or whatever it might be. And I think that's just, you know, that's just like adulting, frankly, you know, like you got to, you got to kind of own up to what it is that you say and do. And, um, I think that means being thought, being a bit more thoughtful um, uh, in the first instance, but also we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess up and uh, kind of owning that and being willing to like see a path towards learning and growing um, and, and, and to maybe allow a little bit of um, grace for others who are trying to, to, in good faith, find that path towards right. learning and growing. And I learned this when I was in India, I, I took some political philosophy courses just to kind of get a whole different area. And they were saying, because you we were teaching a room of all Americans, but what the professor was saying was, Americans are really good at rights, we're not so good at responsibilities. Yeah. And in a lot of other political traditions, those two are together. Like you have rights so that you can fulfill responsibilities. And you, you have to get the balance right, right? So it's like, if it's all responsibilities and you have no freedom, then that's not good either. Right. But like, we, we love to talk about our rights our right to speech and our right to this and our right to that. And we don't talk about our responsibility to an inclusive space, a responsibility right. to kindness, a responsibility to uh, you know, open discussion and listening and you know, following rules and everything. And what you're talking about is like, okay, responsibility to an entity, right? Maybe you work yep. with somebody or whatever it yep. is, or just responsibility to board gaming in general, or whatever. And yeah. it's like, okay, or you the know, hobby or the community or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the, or, or, or to advancing gamer culture or whatever it might be. Right. Or yeah. Ma- making it bigger and making, you know, yeah. the space more inclusive or, or like, you know, I mean, and, and I, and I would argue, you know, a responsibility to the people that are already here. Like, I don't, like, I don't hate the people that are already here. People think that it's like, okay, I want you all out to replace you. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no replacement here. It's like, you know, I, I defend the right of every person, even the people that were already here to be here. It's just right. there is a energy within the middle that want to keep it that way. And that's what I'm sure. criticizing. I'm not criticizing sure. the people that are here. Uh, so it's like, you know, I have a responsibility to those people, too. So that's why, you know, I bend over backwards to talk to say, OK, I'm talking about the idea, not the person. Right. And I do that a lot because I feel a responsibility. You know, I have a platform, I have a space, I have like, you know, a couple people, people actually listen to me. I can't believe that, right. whatever. Right. Uh, so I have a responsibility to promote as positive a dialogue as I can 
while still talking about the issues. And I, and I will fall on that, you know, either I hit it or I don't, but I have a responsibility to continue to search for that right frequency. Even as I have the right to speech, I feel a responsibility to continue to try to be constructive as I, as I can. Even yeah, you're if running, I, I mean, you're running a YouTube channel, you know? So yeah. like that, that, that's a platform that's, that's, there is a little bit more kind of responsibility there than right. like, I don't want to face the consequences. Yeah. I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But you're thinking about that, right? I'm yeah. absolutely all the time, all the time. Right. <laughs> and that's, and, and that's the thing yeah. is like, when people say cancellation, it's like, it's not like people woke up yesterday and are all like, oh, now I heard this cancellation thing. I'm going to get canceled, blah, 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 blah. It's like, right. we have been, since the day that we were born, we were social beings. We were thinking about what other people thought about us what other people might think about us based on what we say or what we do. And just because we've put a name on that now doesn't, doesn't mean that the world has changed. Uh, it does mean that maybe some people who for a very long time were not speaking up are now speaking up and that might not be comfortable for everybody. Uh, you know, and I think that in, in, in any historical, uh, you're much more of a student of, of history and philosophy than I am. But if you look at any historical context, there has always been, um, you know, certain privileges and entitlements that have been challenged. And, and, and me, myself, you know, I've gone through a process of, of, of being challenged and challenging my own um, pre, you know, pre-existing notions as a cisgendered heterosexual male in, uh, in a society that very much promotes toxic masculinity. And it's like, you know, I'm in meetings and, and my colleagues be like, Man, Raha, you're just mansplaining on that. And I'm like, yeah, I think I, I, think, I, I think I probably am. You know, I think I, I, think I, I resemble was. that remark. <laughs> so it doesn't feel good, right? No, but it's it a learning experience, you know, and we have, you have two choices at that point, right? You can either embrace it, reflect on it and try to grow, or you can fight it and, you know, say I have a right to say what I want to say and don't cancel me and go back home with your woke mob and whatever like mm -hmm. protest you want to put out there and um that's just that's just not usually the best path forward right so I mean so that's why I wanted to invite Raha on the show I mean I wanted to make that careful distinction I believe in the, the right of games of any game to exist even a game like Secret Hitler, uh which is my which honestly that's my grossest game <laughs> if you know that's the one I, I turned to like I that can't one I this in our heart. that one I haven't played but I but I've always been curious as Ugh. to to how someone had the gall to put a, put a game and, called Secret and then someone Hitler. will say it's like well I got plenty of Jewish friends who I play Secret Hitler with and I'm like great that that's great for you like that yeah, game yeah. just makes me sick to my stomach uh but you have the right to play in your private space. It has the right to be made. I mean, it, it, you know, just because I think a thing is wrong doesn't mean I think that it shouldn't exist. I will defend its right to exist. However, I reserve the right to criticize. You know, criticism is not cancellation, is not censorship. These are three different things. And I hope that this podcast has given people grist for the mill to be able to think about right. distinctions between those three things. Right. It just, I don't want to take us on a whole uh, secret Hitler thing, um, uh, but you know, I haven't played the game, but my is it is it more of a parody kind of concept or something like well, that? It's, a, it's mean, a social deduction game, right? And so, yeah. like, there, it, I, I haven't played it, and I'm, I'm never going to play it. But and yeah. I don't even think it exists anymore. I think it's it's like Secret Sith Lord or Secret whatever, whatever. Well, I think the, the idea with Secret Hitler is like you know, like it's a secret, it's a deduction game. So it's like you're hiding, uh -huh. right? And so like everybody's kind of like pass themselves off. So like whoever's Hitler is trying to hide as one of you know just like the regular german you know like political scene and then it's like ah, ha, ha and i was Hitler the whole time and so right, this is like sure. this, this moment of reveal at some point in the game 
And like, as a student of history, that's like completely wrong because yeah. we knew exactly what Hitler was from the very, very beginning. He was not, you know, coy about it at all. He just happened to hit the right historical moment where the people were ready for that uh, or, you know, the, the people at the time. So like, it's historically wrong. And it's just like, you know, it leads us down a road to like, you know, kind of trivializing this kind of stuff. And I just, I just think it's gross, sure, uh, sure. but I'm going to defend the right, it's right to exist. I'm going to defend the right of Puerto Rico to exist. And, you know, so that is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about censorship. I never, I don't go with censorship. I don't even go with cancellation. Like, I, I, but I do reserve the right to criticize and I do reserve the right to persuade. And it's taken us this long to use the word persuasion, but I, <laughs> I, I, I fail. I need to put the word in there somewhere early in the conversation. I reserve my right to, ex- to uh, try to persuade folks to, you know, do things that I think would be more beneficial in terms of diversity in the hobby as a whole. You know, I've watched enough of your videos to know that it's a slow burn, man. You get there, you get to, <laughs> you get to your great idea. It's if, too long. My videos are too people, long. If people, if people make it, you'll get there. And I love ah, it. It's, oh, uh, man. No, it's a good conversation. And I appreciate uh, you sitting down with me and, and, mm. and having So do we hit all the points? Could you, you did, you wrote a lot. Do, do not email this man to be like, okay, be on your show. Cause he will type. <laughs> Oh yeah. Don't ask a lawyer to, to yeah. any, anything that will require any, you know, kind of concise, uh, uh, you know, explanations, but a lot no, of notes. I think, I think, uh, no, I think we hit, we hit on, uh, away from, uh, the kind of more trite observations about cancellation and woke mob and, and social justice war, you know, the, like you said, those are oh, buzzwords, yeah. right? Buzzy they word. don't actually, they don't actually substitute for, for thoughtful analysis or engagement. Um, and it, it, it ends up being, it ends up shutting the conversation off really at the end of the day, um, uh, rather than actually, you know, digging into some of the like thorny issues about how you can, um, you know, deal with game themes and settings and contexts, um, or even the, you know, culture of the hobby as a whole um, in a way that's productive and constructive and welcoming for all. We love free speech here, Raha and I. Uh, we love free discussion. We especially love free discussion that makes us think. If someone wants to get into a free discussion with you, where can they find you? Honestly, probably the best place to find me is on BGG. My username is uh, Raha Walla. That's R-A-H-A-W-A-L-A, all one word, all lowercase. Uh, hit me up there. I check my messages from time to time. Uh, and uh, again, thanks for having me. All right, man. Thank you very much for joining the show. It's getting a little bit late, but you uh, stuck it out. We're on the East Coast over here. Uh, <laughs> Come visit me in D.C. sometime. Oh, yeah, man. We're Packs unplugged. Uh, Philadelphia's not that far, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. If you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.